Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of Roland Garros 2022. Second major of the year is here. It's been a fun clay court season, and it all culminates in this. Uh, Sorry to keep you guys waiting on this. I got very sick as basically around the time the draw came out. Feeling a lot better now, thankfully, but uh, that is why I was not up for, uh, for making a video. Um, I was in bed most of yesterday. Uh, so going to get into it quarter by quarter. As always, if you're new to the channel, dark horse, upset alert, early popcorn matchups and quarterfinal predictions coming your way. But first I want to talk about the draw as a whole. It's as lopsided as it possibly could could have been and you know we knew that there might be some interesting wrinkles in the draw as a result of Nadal not being a top four seed and Alcaraz not being a top four seed obviously both of them are top four contenders top four players coming into this tournament but they're not top four seeds so you know you knew that there there might be some some weird stuff happening with the draw it is basically as lopsided as it possibly could have been because not only do you have Djokovic and Nadal in the same quarter, you also have Zverev in the top half uh, with Alcaraz, which means based on the French Open power rankings, four out of the top five are in the same half. The only top five player in the French Open power rankings that is in the bottom half, is Stefano Tsitsipas. And that has made this tournament much tougher to predict. Much tougher. The draw has, has evened things up a little bit. Because among the contenders, the Tier 1 contenders, I think that Tsitsipas is the player who, at least for me, I went in, and I'm, I'm not going to give anything away here as far as who I'm picking, saving that for the end. Uh, but but Tsitsipas comes in, and he's the player who I I would have told you before the draw came out, I can't really see myself picking him. Can't, can't really see it, although I think he's a contender. Well, his draw increases his chances tremendously. And now there's probably no player who you're more who you feel better about making the final outside of Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, Carlos Alcaraz then, you know, he kind of has the normal draw where you have a, you have a, a tough quarterfinal, a, proje- a tough projected quarterfinal in Zverev, and then a very tough semifinal, which is normal um, in if it's, you know, going by the projections in Dollar Djokovic. So that's kind of normal. And and Alcaraz is kind of the player who, after Tsitsipas, I would say I, I would consider picking. But the players who I came in before the draw thinking I'm most likely to pick is Nadal and Djokovic. Well, they have the toughest draws. So you see the the picture that's being painted here are, I guess, best contenders, worst draws, worst contenders, 
best draws. In a way, those things kind of even the playing field. With that being said, overall, uh, the French Open has been an event where the best players have rarely disappointed. You look at last year, the the top four seeds making the semifinals in Zverev, Tsitsipas, Djokovic, and Nadal. You look at the year before that, and it's it's three out of the top four seeds with Diego Schwartzman. Hardly a surprise given how well he played in Rome uh, just the week prior or maybe two weeks prior. And then the year before that, it was the top four seeds once again. It was Federer, Nadal, uh, Djokovic team. So basically, you're not getting a lot of surprises here. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, the preparation is so thorough uh, for Roland Garros. You have such a nice buildup where uh, I think you don't have that kind of... First of all, you don't have the, the bodies breaking down like you do at the U.S. Open. You don't have the the grass wild card that, that players are kind of less used to it. Uh, you don't have the first major of the year factor at the Australian Open where there's just a, a lot feels very kind of new and there's not a lot of sample size really for anything. But I think even more important is that it's hard to pull... It's, I think it's harder to pull off an upset on a slower surface. I think you get less serve variance. You get less tie breaks. The margins are a little bit larger because there's more breaks of serve. And the cream kind of rises to the top. Think about, like, if you are a... If you're a player with a big game... And, and you're trying to beat a player better than you, like let's say you have a big serve, you have a big game, and, and you're trying to beat a player better than you. When you're playing on a fast surface and you can have a great serving day and you, you can redline and, and hit a couple of big winners in, in big moments... I just think that it gives you a much better chance to pull off a, a surprising result and beat someone who's better than you. Where on clay, you're playing longer rallies, your serve is is not doing as much damage. So the the sample size in terms of just having to win rally after rally after rally. It's really hard to do that if you are the inferior player. So not a lot of upsets at all recently at the French. I think that'll continue. With that, let's move on to Novak Djokovic's quarter. Djokovic with Nadal, Schwartzman, FAA, Opelka, Dimitrov, Botik van de Zanschkulp, and Jensen Brooksby. This quarter stacked. It's not just Djokovic and Nadal. I think a lot of the more intriguing seeds in this tournament are uh, are in this quarter. Uh, a player in Diego Schwartzman, who you know I haven't loved his consistency over the course of the last year, year and a half. But look, best of five on clay. He he never gets tired. Just doesn't. 
he seems to play well here, even when his results in the lead-ups, certainly this was the case last year, aren't good. Diego is is just one of those players. He you you can't really count him out. There's always a chance that he's someone who can find himself in uh in the quarters or even the semis at Roland Garros. Um, FAA has found something recently. Uh, he was really off the grid throughout March and a lot of April, but if if he plays like he did in Rome. You have a, a really, really tough player in FAA who's just controlling play with his forehand and has uh, has reduced the errors again and is is looking really strong. Opelka has has his own thing, but but he's a bit of a wild card at his best. He is uh, he's really difficult to beat, and I I think with the high bounce, the effectiveness of his kick serve, this can be a tournament that he does play really well at. Played well in Geneva last week. Um, this is John Isner's best major by win percentage, by the way. Just a fun fact. So uh, the, there's not... That type of player can do well at Roland Garros. Grigor Dimitrov has had a pretty solid clay court season. Um, he's lost to Stefano Tsitsipas at just about every single tournament. So um, it's almost hard to gauge exactly how good he is. But he has uh, put together some results. I really like Botik van de Zanschkoel. Um, and the way he's playing, I've sung his praises throughout the clay court season, and I think highly of him. Um, the only seed who I don't love in here is Jensen Brooksby. So I'm just painting a picture. This is a quarter that is phenomenal, that is absolutely excellent. And what you are going to see as a result of this quarter being so good is there are a lot of other quarters that I look at, and there's not a lot that I get really excited about. My uh, dark horse here is Jaume Munar and Daniel Altmaier. They actually play in the first round, and I pick Munar in that match. So so Munar, I would say, is kind of more my official dark horse. But I did want to include Altmaier because if Altmaier happens to win, uh, he's also a really good clay court player with a lot of power, a lot of strength, and excellent one-handed backhand. But uh, Munar is my dark horse with the, the defense that he can bring to the table, covers the court just as well as uh, as anyone uh, does not get tired. Um, he's beefed up his serve as of late. He's able to get hit a lot of forehands on the clay. Uh, his results are pretty solid in 2022. And uh, he's also in a part of the draw that does, I think, offer him some opportunity. Um, Diego Schwartzman potentially in the second round. I mean, I mentioned Schwartzman as, a, as someone who's always dangerous at Roland Garros. He's also someone who has been vulnerable at times, um, who hasn't always been very consistent. He's going to need to be very sharp against Munar. There's no doubt about it. Uh, then Grigor Dimitrov potentially in the third round. So, uh, you know, he he's not, he's, he's not with Djokovic. He's not with Nadal. That's kind of what matters as far as the draw is concerned. Upsettler is Jensen Brooksby. I just think that his offense really suffers on clay. Taking into account the fact that his ground stroke speeds are kind of low, taking into the uh, the fact that his ground strokes are flat, that he relies on kind of redirecting the ball, uh, that he that his serve is more is a, a slice serve, and that he doesn't bring a lot of heat on the serve and doesn't hit much of a kick, 
you know, he's just, he's much better on a slick surface where he's able to, to generate offense with his redirect, with, with his ability to redirect the ball, uh, with his back end down the line, um, especially, and uh, his slicer being a little bit more effective. I just think he suffers offensively. Early popcorn is Mute and Vavrinka. Should be a great atmosphere, great contrast of styles, Vavrinka being a power baseliner, Mute being being um, uh, a counterpuncher. Uh, Mute is French. The environment should be good. The crowd should be great. And I think it should be competitive. I think it's a match that could go either way. So uh, I think that one just could be a good watch. Not that either player is much of a contender. I still think that it's a match that should be quite enjoyable to uh, to take in. Let's get to the quarterfinal prediction now. It is Novak Djokovic over Rafael Nadal. You have the foot question first and foremost. You know, look, with Novak, you have a guy who we know he's healthy. We know his body's in good shape. We know that it's not going to be a problem for him keeping up 100% physical intensity for however long it takes. And for Nadal, we don't know that. That obviously factors in here. That's number one. However, there have been occasions where there have been questions about Nadal's health and he has put together phenomenal runs regardless most recently, the first major of the year at the Australian Open. There are a couple of more factors here. I think it helps Novak to play Nadal before the final. The two times Djokovic has beaten Nadal, it has been before the final in 2015 and a year ago. The time he got closest to beating Nadal a third time, 2013, went five sets, pre-final. I think Nadal fans will agree with me on this one. There's something different about Rafa on the second Sunday in Chatrier. It's just a different animal. I think when the finish line is that near and uh, the intensity that he brings and the confidence he brings to those matches, I just think you get a different a different animal. So I, I do think that it gives Djokovic a better chance that he plays Nadal before the final. Um, and... It it gives me pause with Nadal that like I don't think that we've seen him play a level of tennis that would be good enough to beat Djokovic with how well Novak played in Rome um, since really pre-Indian Wells in Acapulco. You know he he scrapped his way to uh, to the final at, at Indian Wells, which I'm I'm not as concerned about whatever that was here. You throw that out the window, but obviously. Um, in, in Madrid being unable to to beat Carlos Alcaraz and, and losing that match um, in a much more straightforward way than, than Djokovic lost the very next day to Alcaraz. Uh, Djokovic putting together a better showing against Carlos, but then, of course, going out to Shapovalov with the foot injury. And, you know, even some of the matches that we saw uh, prior from, from Nadal... Um, Prior to the Shapovalov match, you know, if you look at, let's say, the Gafan match in Madrid, for example. So, Nadal needs to 
needs to flip a switch here, which can happen. And I don't count him out at all here. Not even a little bit. But I got to go with Djokovic given um, given what we've seen as of late. Let's go to Zverev's quarter. Seeds are Zverev, Alcaraz, Nori, Fritz, Hachinov, Isner, Fakina, and Korda. I'm not going to really give like the rundown seed by seed like I did uh, for the top quarter. But I think that there are a lot of players here that are consistent guys. You know, Nori and Hachinov especially. Uh, Nori's had best of five issues. Hachinov's been very consistent. Uh, but, you know, who's going to be really dangerous against Verev and Alcaraz? I mean, Nori kind of lacks wins against top 10 players as good as he's been beating the field with consistency. He's not someone who's really who's really been a threat to the, the very, very best in the world. Or I don't know if not saying he's not been a threat, but he's not been someone who's been able to, I guess, beat the very, very best in the world. Uh, Fritz is coming off injury and... You know, you can't be optimistic about his chances on clay coming back from injury. Uh, Hachinov, you know, very similar to Nori. He he just doesn't pull off big wins very often. Uh, Isner doesn't have a lot of results in, in 2022. And then you have uh, Davidovich, Fikina, and uh, and Korda. I'm not, I'm not too high on either of them at all. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not a terrible quarter. But it's also not a quarter where I'm feeling like there's anyone particularly threatening against Verev and Alcaraz. My dark horses are Sebastian Baez and Hugo Delian. Uh, Baez could face Zverev in round two. I think we just saw that in Rome and Zverev. Uh, won the first set very tight and competitive with a uh, close tie break. And then Zverev ran away with the second set. But Baez is someone who uh, moves extremely well, has a clay court title in the lead up, and uh, has a great forehand that he that he controls play with quite nicely. Um, I think highly of him as a player, so I put him as a dark horse. But I did want to include someone who has a better draw, who might be someone who's in a better position to take advantage uh, because, you know, Baez would have to go through Zverev, which is a very tall task. Uh, and and I, I went with Hugo Delian, who he isn't in the Fritz Isner section of this quarter, which is a quarter like that's that might be the worst little section in this entire draw. Uh, I, I mentioned the I mentioned the uncertainty and I guess the hesitation with Isner and, and Fritz, not too high on either of them, but then the unseeded players, just none of them very convincing with Quentin Haley's, Tara Daniel, Greg, Gregoire Barrere, uh, Michael Moe, uh, a couple of qualifiers in there who I, I don't have off the top. Um, yeah, I mean, who, who, the, who the heck knows who comes out of there? But uh, Delian is in the, uh, the Nori section. Uh, Dominic team in the first round. Team still looking for his first win of 2022. 
that's a match to watch. There's no doubt about it. And then Hachinov and then Nori. So there's some opportunity there. And Delian is someone with an excellent forehand. He's a grinder, fights really hard. Game doesn't translate to other surfaces, but he's good on clay with a, a high RPM, heavy forehand that he uses to control play with good movement, strong endurance, and uh, he he's that classic kind of clay quarter who makes round three, round four at Roland Garros as an unseeded player, doesn't doesn't have the firepower, doesn't have the juice to to go much further than the fourth round, even in the best possible case scenario. But but I still think he's a dark horse. Uh, my upset alert is Davidovich Fikina. And the reason for that is I look at the body of work and he just has one tournament this year. That's it. It's it's literally just Monte Carlo. Hasn't won back to back matches um, since Monte Carlo. He's twelve and thirteen on the year, despite the run in in Monte Carlo and picking up what is it uh, five consecutive victories um, in Monte Carlo. And I just think you have to look at the the total picture there. I would just caution against really viewing him as a as a a major contender despite the fact he is good at at Roland Garros. He did make round 4 last year. He is someone who uh holds up in best of 5, I believe, and uh Clay gives him the best chance to win. And I, I'm a fan of his. I, I like his game. I love watching him from an entertainment standpoint. But, you know, week to week to week to week, he just hasn't been someone who who has really lived up to, I guess, the the reputation that, that maybe he has as someone who is uh, is very dangerous um, or, or someone who's a consistent consistent top 30 level player. Uh, I do think he's a top 30 player, but he needs to, I, I do think he might be a little bit overvalued in general. Talon Griegspor first round, tough one. Early popcorn matches, Zverev versus Baez in round two. Again, one to watch. None of the round one matches really stuck out to me. I think that uh, it's a good test for Zverev, potentially. I know we just saw it, but uh, Baez still intrigues me, and I would, uh, I'd be interested to, I'm interested to see that. Maybe even uh, Alcaraz against Ramos Vinolas could be interesting. You know, that that's not a bad test for uh, uh, Alcaraz in round two as well, assuming uh, Ramos Vinolas beats uh, Kokonakis. So potentially the the top seeds in this quarter, you know, they, they have very respectable round two matches that could be one to watch. With that being said, let's go to the quarterfinal matchup, and it is Carlos Alcaraz defeating Alexander Zverev. Obviously, this was a absolute blowout in the final of Madrid. I think it was 6-3, 6-1. Zverev didn't bring his best there, but even if Zverev does bring his best, 
I like Carlos Alcaraz in this matchup. Um, man, I mean, just the drop shots alone. You know, we saw Holger Rune torment Zverev with drop shots in Munich. We saw Alcaraz torment Zverev with drop shots in the final. Uh, it's such a good play against Zverev. And uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a bit of a matchup issue for, uh, for Zverev for the time being because of the way Alcaraz uses depth, doesn't let Zverev D up and drop back into defensive position because of the drop shot. And um, let's see, you know, it, it would be Zverev still looking for the first top 10 victory at a major. Um, does he have a chance to, no, he, he wouldn't have a chance to get it before this quarterfinal. So I still don't think it happens at this event, losing to Alcaraz in the quarterfinal. Stefano Tsitsipas' quarter. He's the number four seed. He's with Rude, Hercotch, Shapovalov, Demonor, Tiafo, Evans, and Sinego. Don't love this quarter. It's fine, though. I guess. I'm not that high on Rude. At the moment, um, I am. I I I really don't like that he played Geneva. You know, nobody else in the French Open power rankings played in Geneva. I mean, sorry, played last week. Nobody else. Nobody. Not even anyone in the next four out. So, one out of the fourteen players played last week or this week, and it was rude. I I don't get it. So he's now played, and he, he made the semifinals in Rome. So he's now played eight matches in the last 12 days. Uh, when he plays on Monday, it'll be his ninth match in 13 days. I mean, that just doesn't set him up for success to go deep at, at Roland Garros. I just, I don't get the scheduling um, decision. I don't understand why he still plays so many clay 250s. And he just doesn't look right at, at the moment either. I don't really buy into... I thought he played well against Shapovalov in Rome, but um, he still has taken uh, too many bad losses in the clay court season. Just hasn't really looked quite the same. Um, has missed too much on his forehand. Uh, the final in Geneva against Zhao Sousa, uh, Sosa, rather was was too close. Probably shouldn't have been that close. He really struggled in that match. I'm just not feeling great about him. Um, Hercotch is serving well. Uh, he's got issues on clay. Uh, that's for sure. Um, he can overcome them with his serving at times. Shapovalov, I, I, I don't buy into the, the run in Rome, really, and, and the win um, over Nadal. I still think he's showing a lot of the same bad habits with the poor shot selection, um, and the very, yeah, just making too many unforced errors, making poor decisions on the court. Uh, I think those things are still happening. I think it really hurts on clay more than it does on any other surface. Um, Demonor is maximizing. Demonor's found something on clay. You know, he's, he's really, uh, he's had trouble beating top guys, but he's been really consistent beating players ranked below him. That's for sure. Um, Tiafo's got an interesting clay court game. He can do some things. 
Evans has only had one clay court run, I think, in his entire career, which was in Monte Carlo last year. I don't take him very seriously. And then Sinego, uh, Sinego hasn't done much of anything in, in, in a long time. So that's your rundown for the seeds. My uh, dark horse here is Holger Rune. Rune is uh, rising up the ranks very, very quickly. Also a first-time titleist a long time, uh, alongside Sebastian Baez um, in this clay court season. And uh, I think Clay is his best surface with the way he is able to, uh, to to use his forehand. It's an excellent forehand. He moves very well. He's uh, He protects his backhand well. He's physical. Good ground stroke speed. Hard to poke holes in his game, honestly. He, he has a, a very solid all-around game. And... Uh, Definitely among the unseated players here. He's the player who uh, who stands out. Now, I think he still has endurance issues. I mentioned after he he won the title in, um, in Munich that the one thing that wasn't tested was his endurance because he beat everybody so badly. Well, um, you know, he was just, just, uh, just this week in um i think uh in in Lyon he was playing a frenchman in Manuel Guinar who by the way i didn't mention he plays Cam Nori first round that one could be fun too um Guinar Guinar is like incredibly disrespectful just has no regard i mean w between him and the french crowd it's like a it's like a college tennis match it's crazy anyway uh rune cramped Rune cramped again, so I don't think that that issue is behind him. Um, so, you know, does that take him out of the running in best of five? It, it very well could. Uh, I'm curious to see it, but uh, it's definitely... Yeah, he, he's definitely a, a dangerous player right now for, for everyone, for, you know, being an unseated. I'm trying to just find him in the draw so I can tell you guys who he plays. And I'm just not seeing him. Oh, he plays Shapovalov first round. Uh, Shapovalov is my upset alert. It's not just because he's playing Rune. It's also just because I don't I don't trust him at the moment. And and Shapo can make can make you look very very stupid uh, when you make him upset alert because he can not only can he avoid an upset when he does. It's oftentimes he's overperforming and and making a semifinal or, or something like that, making you look very silly. Uh, but I'm I'm willing to take that risk here. Uh, Pedro Martinez awaits in the second round. Very very respectable clay court player. Probably would have been a, a decent candidate for uh, dark horse as well, alongside Holger Rune. Um, Demonor potentially there as well in in round three. Uh, I think that it's. Um, I think I think Chapo will, will be in some danger here. My early popcorn match is Stefano Tsitsipas against Lorenzo Musetti um, and also Kasparud against Joe Wilfred Sanga. The first one, Tsitsipas Musetti, it's more for the tennis itself. There are a lot of issues with Musetti's game. You know, he he's he's far from perfect, but he remains a very intriguing talent who can um 
who can do some really awesome things on the court. And uh, I think we'll see a lot of a lot of pretty tennis. And I'm I'm just interested to see how well he can play against Tsitsipas Pass at a at a tournament where he made round four last year and was two up two sets to love against uh, Novak Djokovic. My other early popcorn is Kasparud against Joe Wilfred Sanga, not because I think it's going to be close. In fact, I think it's a, a very favorable round one match for uh, for Kasparud, given the way Sanga has been playing. Uh, but it will be Joe Wilfred Sanga's last match. And, um, you know, tune in because... Tune in and, and, and soak it up. He's been such a pleasure to watch throughout his career. Uh, brings a great joy to the tennis court, has brought a, an entertaining style, a uh, a pretty infectious personality, and um, has competed with with class from uh, from the very start, and has has reached some great heights as well. Um, so sad to see him go. Hopefully, gets a, a tremendous send off. I'm sure he will from the crowd and from the tournament. And that is my other early popcorn match. Quarterfinal is Tsitsipas defeating Hubert Hercoc. You may be surprised to see that uh, Hercoc to the quarterfinal uh, as a prediction. And, I, you know, I surprised myself too because I don't love Hercoc on clay just given the the fact that he he struggles to to get to net on clay as as most players do. It's, it's a little bit tougher just because the, the approach shots tend to kind of sit there a little bit longer it's easier to get past. It's harder to get your footing and your traction at net sometimes as well. So the movement can be tougher. Um, but if he plays Casper Rude, I, I just think Rude has some serious issues on return, on the return of serve. And I think um, even though it's clay, I could see Hercotch. I could see Hercot serving his way through that matchup. And coming in with the game plan of, you know, getting it to Rude's backhand and, and coming forward. Um, hopefully he would play that way. And I think if he did, he would have a chance. And I'm just I'm just not feeling great about Casper Rude, who who still hasn't been to uh round four at this event. I, I do think he will get to round four. I think there's a it's a favorable draw uh with uh Sanga first round, Rusevori or Umber second round, and uh, I have Lorenzo Sinego third round. It's actually a great draw for Rude. Uh, but yeah, I think Tiafo or maybe even Hercoc in round four. I, I think both of those players with their with with how well they serve and what they can bring to the table, I think they can seriously challenge Rude, who I'm just I'm not feeling uh, great about right now. Ultimately, though, of course, I have Stefano Tsitsipas coming through. Um, his path is uh, Musetti, and then I have uh, Kolar, the qualifier, uh, Francisco Serundolo, who I think will beat Dan Evans, um, then Demonor, who Tsitsipas dominates in the head-to-head, -head, and especially on clay, uh, Demon wouldn't have, I wouldn't give him much of a chance, and then Hercot, which would be a great quarterfinal for Tsitsipas. So. Uh, it, it's an awesome draw. And then even if he plays rude, um, I think uh, Tsitsipas will be pretty confident. Let's go now to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He's the number two seed. 
And he is with Rublev, Sinner, Karenio Busta, Chilich, and Ketsmanovic. This is, uh, look, the seeds aren't that bad here. If we're in terms of the depth, um, a lot of, a lot of competence. Um, did I forget Tommy Paul? Why isn't Tommy Paul there? Tommy Paul is the 30th seed. I am sorry, Tommy, you, you should be on there. Um, I don't want to, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'll go through him. I mean, you know, Sinner. Sinner has had a, a decent clay court season. He hasn't really been able to break through with any, with a lot of big wins, um, other than beating Rublev and Monte Carlo, which we, we could get a rematch, a, a rematch of that, which I'll get into shortly. Karenia Boost is playing good tennis, but just can't. He's had a lot of nerve management issues, so I actually think he is vulnerable because I just don't trust him in close matches at the moment. Uh, Chilich is playing decently, but there's uh, a limit to what he can do on such a slow surface where he's kind of things are get a little bit physical on him and he's dragged into more rallies. His serve doesn't work quite as well. And uh, Ketsmanovic, I'm, you know, Ketsmanovic is, is great. And uh, breakout performer of 2022, he's played pretty well on the clay and that's a, a, a very strong lower seed and Tommy Paul Tommy Paul is pretty good on the on the clay but he hasn't hasn't really done much to impress as of late my dark horse here is actually Christian Garin what what a what a turn of events here for Garin because Garin is kind of like my resident upset alert for the last like two years now I I feel like he's been a player who, uh, with the protected rankings points especially, he's been seeded, and he just hasn't been playing well. But uh, he thought about taking a break from the game, and I actually think he's finally playing with a, a little bit of freedom. Something changed mentally for him where I, I think he almost gave up on himself, and it kind of helped him. And he went on a run in Houston, and um, he's actually starting to, to win a little bit more. Upset alert is Daniil Medvedev for, for obvious reasons. I mean, he just, um, when it comes to the clay, he's going to need to be really the best version of himself when it comes to shot tolerance and fitness levels. And he's probably just not there. You know, it's, it's not going to come easy for him on the clay ever. Uh, I, I do think that his, like, I do think he's a good enough player to do what he did last year and make the quarterfinals of Roland Garros throughout the course of his career. Like, I, I don't think he's just going to be a player who is going to, and I said this last year before the tournament, um, and picked him to the quarters and got that got that right. I don't think he's going to be a player throughout his career who's just going to do terrible at Roland Garros. I don't think that's the case. But um, here in 2022, obvious pick for upset alert couple of tests here in terms of the draw certainly he's got Facundo Bagnus uh, pretty good on clay in round one Laszlo Gera pretty good on clay in round two and uh, Miamir Ketsmanovic is his round three which is a, a very very tough round three I have Ketsmanovic taking him out um, in round three that's my my prediction for Medvedev and ultimately I have Ketsmanovic going all the way to the quarterfinal but I have Yannick Sinner beating him as far as Ketsmanovic is concerned 
Um, his fourth round, I would have uh, him against Pablo Carreño Busta. Pretty, a, a bit of a weak section here with Carreño Busta and Marin Cilic. Uh, but, but I have PCB, and again, I, I'm just not, I'm not feeling good about the way Carreño Busta has been dealing with pressure recently. And, and that's why, that's why I like Kitsmanovic there. In the top half with Yannick Sinner, you know, it's kind of between him and Rublev and... I have concerns overall with Yannick Sinner's record against top 10 players where he's he's pretty much been like a, I think his win percentage is around 33%, which is not great. Or it might be even closer to like 25% against top 10 players. He, it's just, it's not very good. Uh, Rublev has just been one of those guys who he actually is comfortable against. He's beaten them both times they've played on clay. Sinner won, uh, beat him in Monte Carlo. He beat him the, the year prior, I think, in, in Barcelona. Uh, he attacks Rublev's second serve well. He wins backhand to backhand. It's kind of two guys with the same style, kind of going going toe-to-toe with the power baselining, uh, with the kind of linear power. And uh, Sinner just tends to be really comfortable with uh, with the rhythm that that Rublev gives him and he protects his backhand side you know anyone who anyone who has a backhand that can be easily broken down has a really hard time against Rublev just Sinner's not that guy uh I think it's a good matchup for Yannick so while while I didn't really anticipate before the draw came out that I would have Yannick Sinner making the semifinals of Roland Garros I I do think that things have worked out for him with Sin, uh, Rublev being really the only top 10 player who I feel really good about Sinner playing playing well against. And the fact that I do think, uh, you know, and, and the fact that the, the bottom half here is completely wide open and I have Ketsmanovic, uh Man, I, I think Sinner will take advantage. By the way, he's been great at Roland Garros. He made the quarterfinals in his debut, in his main draw debut, and then he made the fourth round last year. So that also bodes well for Yannick Sinner. Which brings us to the final weekend, which I will re- reveal in three, two, one. Djokovic defeats Alcaraz in five sets. Tsitsipas defeats Sinner in three sets, and Djokovic defeats Tsitsipas in four sets. Let me start with Novak Djokovic. Why'd I pick him? Why am I picking Djokovic? I guess as it came down to this, does it feel like it would be hard to imagine a player beating Nadal, Alcaraz, and Tsitsipas in back-to-back-to-back matches? It really does. That seems crazy. It seems like it could be too difficult. Uh, just knowing how things, you know, weird things happen with draws, how usually things don't play out as as we expect, um, how you have uncertainty with Nadal's health, uncertainty with Alcaraz having never been in this position. Do I think Nadal will be fine? Yes. Do I think Alcaraz will be fine? Yes. But But you just don't know. Um, I'm just going to go with the player who I think is playing best right now, the best tennis in the world. 
And uh, that's Djokovic. I'm going to go with the player who I have no questions about mentally. I have no questions about physically. And while I do think that peak Nadal is a little bit too good for for Djokovic at this tournament, I don't think he'll have to contend with that. I think Alcaraz um, will have a great chance. Uh, Alcaraz, as best, will have a great chance against Djokovic. Uh, that's why I have that as a five-setter. But I think it'll be a better version of Novak than what we saw in Madrid. In fact, I know, I almost know it will be a better version of Novak than what we saw in Madrid. That was already incredibly tight. I think it'll help him to get out of the altitude, a little bit lower bouncing. Alcaraz's kick serve, uh, which was the the main determining factor in that match in Madrid. And I think uh, I'd be surprised if that would happen again to Novak. I think Djokovic is well positioned to um, make Alcaraz play a lot of extra balls, really challenge his consistency, cover Carlos's drop shot probably better than almost anyone. Uh, Nadal covers drop shots really well um, also, but I think Djokovic uh, does a great job of covering drop shots. Um, and that's why, uh, and then, you know, with Tsitsipas, I uh, I think the the plan, you know, that, that the game plan that Djokovic brings to the table against Tsitsipas is, is very clear and straightforward to him, and I think he executes it pretty consistently. And uh, I, I do think he's he's the better player in um, in that scenario. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I should cover here. Um, Titi Pass has been really really good against Sinner. Uh, beat him in straights in Australia. Beat him in straights last week in Rome, where I thought Sinner might have had a chance to. Uh, to win and didn't first set was a tie break, but still straight sets. Um, so yeah, th three sets in that for me, meaning I'm pretty confident picking, picking TT pass. And, uh, yeah, as I said at the top, it's, uh, it's, it's strange with the, what this draw has done. So let's see, let's see, uh, how, how much things break down in this event. It's going to be fascinating. I think you know Titipas might be more likely than anyone else to be in the final, uh, which is which is crazy to think because then you know maybe by probability, maybe by probability he's the safest pick. I don't know. Um, I'm going with Djokovic though. Rolling with him. I will have um, a lot of post match coverage throughout Roland Garros. Um, and I'll, I'll be doing some previews during the second week. Uh, Monday will be after play. I'll be recording a, uh, a mailbag as is tradition first Monday of a major. So make sure you keep it locked on that YouTube community tab and uh, check tomorrow or um, early on, on Monday during play. And uh, you can comment and we'll do a nice long Monday mailbag for the start of Roland Garros. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.